Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm excited to be with you once again. Sitting down with... These are some of my favorite episodes when I get to bring another Mike on, because many of you don't realize that my name is actually Mike, not Gourmet. Um, so I go by Gourmet, but my, my birth certificate says Mike or says Michael, whatever. Anyway, so I've got another Mike on today who has an awesome story and is doing some really great work that I'm just excited to bring to you all. His name is Mike Couples. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad we're getting to talk. I hope things are good for you out there on the East coast. I'm an East coaster who just moved to the West coast. So I'm I miss a little bit of probably the, the the East Coast weather they're having back in my my area, but I'm I'm excited that we're connected today. So me as well. Well, you're missing out on nothing but cold so far. It's certainly the season changed quickly, so I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, I won't tell you. I won't tell you that I'm outside in the backyard recording in the sun. So I just I won't mention that. Well, I'm in two sweatshirts, <laughs> so let's party. There we go, man. There we go. <laughs> so, Mike, let's get to it, man. Tell us, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I guess the best way to start it would be to say that I was a 550-pound 17-year-old turned to where I am today, a 32-year-old personal trainer that has been training people for a decade, and I've lost over 250 pounds in my lifetime. And so, 550 at 17, how does that happen, man? Take us into it. Tell us about it. Absolutely. So I guess the best way to put it would be playing way too many video games, um, a lot of overeating and just taking up boredom time with snacking and just consistently compounding those habits over a very long period of time. I guess I, I've always really enjoyed playing video games when I was younger, especially. And there was just so much sedentary lifestyle that's attached to that, that, um, you know, that didn't help in and of itself. And then my just lifestyle and my diet was a little bit over the top at the time in terms of just how many times a day I would eat a full meal. Oh, yeah. And when when did you first really become conscious of, of your weight? So it, it's actually a funny story that when I was... Um, I would say probably about in the third grade. It was one of those presidential fitness assessment tests and there was about a hundred kids in the hallway of my school and we were all in a line getting weighed. And I was just, you know, I have ears and I was hearing the woman that was taking down the weight say like 50 pounds, 60 pounds, 65 pounds. And I got up on the scale and the woman kind of choked up a little bit and said 110 pounds. So, it was also, it was the first time that I realized how different my weight was comparatively to most people. And it was also kind of displayed publicly. So it was definitely, a, that was the most impactful moment. And how did that develop for you through school? Like was, because, you know, we all, a lot of times when we grow up big, we take different routes. Like we either get bullied, become the bully, become the class clown. Like, well, how did that manifest for you? 
So my goal was just try to be friends with everybody. I've always really enjoyed meeting people and just hearing their perspective of life. And I think that stemmed from when I was younger. Anytime I would feel like I was either about to be picked on or meeting a new group of people, I would just spend a lot of time asking them about who they are and just learning who they are. And I, I don't know, I guess the best way to word it would be I was a little bit of a social chameleon where I could figure out where parts of me could get along with parts of them. And we would always find some kind of common ground. So I, I just kind of, real, I, I tried to put my personality before my weight to have that stand out. So when people think about me, it's not just the big guy, which I definitely was attributed to. It was the big guy that was fun to be around. No, I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense, man. And obviously, like, I, I think there are probably people listening, even people that got Got to wait, like I, you know, I, I was, I was close to five fifty myself, but it was yeah, much later in life. Your story is fantastic. Yeah. I have to say, your story is incredible. <laughs> well, Seriously, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that, man. Like, what was it like to be? Because I know what it was like to be a five hundred and forty pound adult. What was it like to be a teenager in that in in that body, like in that size? Like, how was it? You know, like video games. Obviously, that was the lifestyle. Like, how was it impacting you? Like. Was family concerned? Like, I'm just really curious because, like, I think when people hear that someone could get that big at that age, there's a lot of people who are like, well, how is that even possible? And and we know how it's possible. You know, food, obviously. Food is involved. But in terms of, like, what your life was like, like, how was it impacting your life being that big that young? Well, I think developmentally is the first place to start because I think if you ask anybody about their childhood, there's probably a few things that really kind of haunt them or really stand out as tough moments. And at least from my perspective, the best thing that I can say is it was like every other kid's childhood, uh, you know, up and coming, but it was a little bit more exacerbated because I already singled myself out as the most overweight one around people. And in terms of, you know, actually getting that big, I I really think that people get very good at just not totally identifying a problem when there's a problem happening. And that in and of itself can compound. I use that word a lot in my training and also just conversation because my weight really put a value to that word to me. I didn't make one you know, I didn't make one bad decision that stretched through 17 years. I made a billion individual poor decisions that at the time I could have probably optimized and gone the different direction of my weight. And, and, but who talks about that with a, with, with a teenager? Like, it's hard, you know, because also, you know, when you're young, you probably are going to have a high level of ego, which just means no matter whether it's a flagrant troop, you're not going to want to hear about it. So at least for me, when I was young, a lot of people that attempted to try to give me a good talk that wasn't, you know, directly in my family about how I need to lose weight. I definitely fell victim to being defensive to that conversation because, you know, you're young, so you're, you're already kind of feeling like you're a little bit behind trying to fit your way into the world. And hearing that kind of, you know, chin checks your ego. And I definitely, when I was younger, like I said, was a little bit more defensive. Oh, I bet, man. And what was it like in your family? Like, how did they react to what was going on for you? So my family loves to eat and be together and have a good time. Like dinner has always been just a big, you know, ritual or ceremony in my family. They just love to all sit and chat. And every Friday night, they still all go out to eat. And I think that, um, you know, just really enjoying that lifestyle. And nobody in my family generally particularly likes fitness besides me. So I think that, you know, there's other missing pieces to that specific lifestyle that could potentially make it healthy. But I just think uh, 17 years of 
making food a ceremonious, joyful thing. And, you know, all those moments will come with a lot of calories. I, I, what you just said there is like something that resonates for me a lot. You know, making food a ceremonious, joyful thing, like giving it that place in your life. Like that, Absolutely. that is something that I, I don't think people that struggle with the, that don't struggle with these issues can really understand because they think of it, you know, well, yeah, you need food. You need to be, you know, everyone, everyone eats and every, and you also hear someone, you know, who has never had a weight problem say, well, everyone loves food. Everyone loves to eat. And I think there's a difference in that relationship. You know, it's like you love, you love food. I love food. Like it's, it, it's got levels to it. Yeah, I mean, it's just there is a level of of self value, intrinsic value, that people put on anything, you know, and that's that's the word sentimental value, and just I guess for my upcoming, and I feel like we really connect on this. That was my family sentiment. So what what happened? So you were you were five fifty at seventeen. Is that when things changed? Like, take us into like what and what drove that change? Was it one incident? Was it a culmination of things? Like, what actually brought you a place where you said where you found out that's where you weighed and you decided you needed to make some changes? Sure, I think it was a culmination of incidents. The two that really stand out to me was one right around at the five hundred and fifty pound mark when I was at the apex of how much I was overweight. I went on a really, really light walk with one of my professors in high school, and I genuinely induced the worst self-asthma attack I have ever had in my life just from the feeling of, of being so huffy and puffy of walking a nominal amount down the street. So as a young man, that kind of made me realize I, I was not physically capable, and that was very hard to kind of digest at the time. Um, that actually resonates with me a lot to this day because I, I, I know the perspective of being so physically not capable. And I think that's what will always keep me in the fitness game and what wants me to help people do, you know, deal with the same type of issues is developing your physical capability is just one of the most amazing feelings. And so that, that's one reason. And another reason was six XL, six XL shirts actually did no longer fit me. And I, I live in a small town in New Hampshire, so we're not exactly the highest of retail standards. There was no other place to go for clothes. You know, I, I remember going into high school and worrying if the part of my belly was gonna come out when I was wearing a 6XL shirt because it was so tight. And at that point, you know, when you're in high school, that said ego and that also wanting to just fit in and have, you know, nice clothes besides sweatpants and actually have some, you know, nice clothes. They, that really emotionally hit me at the time. And so what what got the ball rolling? Like, what did you do? So I really just said to myself that no matter what, I need to start this diet. I had had a couple of past experiences where I had dieted and lost probably about 50 pounds each diet. And they were just were not successful. I ended up gaining more weight back. I'm sure you can understand how that can happen. And with this one, I, I genuinely have nothing other than to say that I just said that with all of those experiences culminating and just being a young man and wanting to really fit in with what quote unquote normal life would be, I just said that this is the first time in your life that you're not going to give yourself an option to F this up. And I really kind of kept that dialogue through the entire time of me losing weight. That's really what got, oh, sorry, go ahead. 
No, what were you going to say? I want, no, I, I was going to say. Do, no, I was going to say like I think that's important. Like because I think so, when you talk to someone who's in their forties and it's they decide it's time for them to make change, you know, in their way, their life's in a different place. Their perspective, their priorities are in a different place. Like usually, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be someone who's like, I want to look better in clothing, or I got a wedding coming up, or you know. I've, I would love to be able to take my shirt off at the beach and not feel self-conscious, like all of that. But I think it's it's fascinating to me to listen to having that perspective at 17. Like what are the, what were the, prior, you know, in terms of like those priorities and like those things that come to the forefront? Because also, you know, as teenagers, like it's not exactly like the first thing in the front of your mind was I'm going to die tomorrow. You know, I'm sure there was, there was thoughts about mortality, but it's, it's it's still a driving force. You get, I, I don't know if that it's making sense what I'm saying. Like it's this idea that you know, cause, I 100 because I'm sure there's someone listening who's saying 500 pounds at 17. You know he was on a path. You know he was on a path to the grave. Like why wasn't that? Why wasn't that enough to make a change? And I think it's really you know it speaks to that relationship with how we, you know those habits we built and those choices and where they bring us to that that often that that's not the first thing that pops up. You know, it can be something else that, that brings us to that place of needing to make change. Absolutely. Plus I would speak to that thought that what you just said is that I think everybody has an Achilles heel, so to speak. And I would say that someone with that opinion might have the exact same disarray in their life in a completely different way. And that right there just shows that, being overweight might just be a byproduct sometimes of being a human because to be human is to be flawed. And so, you know, that's just how I've always chose to look at it because I absolutely could tell you, you know, we all have a time in our lives where we learn to prioritize our health. Sometimes it's earlier than others. Sometimes it's later, but we all will have that experience in our life. When I was younger, admittedly, to first lose the weight, those were not the forefront of my mind just because I think I was just so ready to just try to blend in as someone that wasn't the overweight kid. When this diet first took and I found some good success with it, it was just so amazing to, you know, I, I still remember glorifying a moment like the first time I could fit into American Eagle jeans because it's like, you know, that, that, was, that was like almost a dumb little coveted experience for me because I, I never was able to fit into those for the first 17 years of my life. And that's what like the quote unquote normal wears. Does that make sense? No, I think it does. And I think that's so. And sometimes people get upset when we use the word normal because they're like, every person is normal. Like, you know, there's especially if you fall into like body positivity media and things along those lines, you know, it's like, are you trying to say a person who's who's obese isn't normal? And it's like, well, a a 550 pound 17 year old is not living a normal life, you know, doesn't doesn't have access to to a normal life at that size. Well, and one thing that I would say is, is that might not be the direct word that is the most accurate. However, I'm from someone that's lived that life and likes to likes to say that I'm, you know, an articulate young man today. I don't know of a better word. I'm not I'm not sure if there is an accurate word to describe it because it's just a feeling of othered, so to speak. Exactly. And that's and that's that I think kind of puts a nail, you know, puts a nail on the head like um I don't know if that's the right, if I'm, if I'm using my metaphors right, but my phrase, my turn of phrase you. is correct, but it's that idea of, because normal means different things to every person, I think it's the important thing for people to hear. And it's from your perspective, it's that idea. And it's not that it, it's not that you're coveting, you know, something that someone else has, it's having access to that life that you know that you can't, 
you know, you're, it's being impeded. You're being held back from doing things and wanting to have that. Like, it's one of those things. Like I remember the first time, you know, this, especially this time around, like for me, when I could fit into a pair of pants at Walmart and here I am thinking like, so for me, I'm like the biggest thing for the, the most exciting thing for me was the fact that I didn't have to pay $70 for a pair of pants anymore. I was standing with a pair of, you know, a $20 pair of pants in a Walmart dressing room crying because realizing that I was able to access things, you know, I was able to, that world that had gotten so small because I was so big was expanding. And I think it's having those moments where you have those touchstones and you can start to have those feelings, you know, that obviously builds momentum and builds motivation and things along those lines for you. But it is important to be able to say, you know, I want to be able to connect with these things that I just can't. And so you got, you got yourself going, like, how did it go for you when you got started? Like, what was it, what was it like for you as a 17 year old losing that weight? So the first things that I realized was that I was not going to keep it up forever unless I structured some form of way to be able to induce, introduce the food that I truly care about in my life. But also, you know, double dip in learning moderation. So my initial thought was very, very special occasions. My birthday, Thanksgiving, Christmas being a really good time for eating that food because I just knew that I've been on other diets and the reason what failed was I thought that you had to completely alleviate those from your life. Whereas, you know, learning the concept of moderation is actually one of the most valuable things. And um, so that's the first thing that really helped me get the ball rolling. I, I think I, I think accurately I lost about a hundred or so, 150 pounds max before I even set foot into a gym. And right around the first 150 pound mark was when I hit a really hard plateau. I would do weekly weigh-ins at the same scale every single time to make sure it was the most accurate it could be. Roughly the same time as the best as my you know resources could be at 17. And um, the, I, did, I, I remember about a month where my scale didn't budge. And I always, uh, you know, at that time, I had a couple of friends that had been in the gym before. And they just said, you know, why don't we go to the gym all together? And that right there kind of started the breaking of that plateau. But arguably, when I started, I had been 17 years old of sedentary and morbidly obese. And I had just lost the weight, which means my body has definitely healed up a little bit from the damage being overweight's caused, but I was by no means strong or athletic. So my starting out in my fitness journey really was getting on the elliptical and going for 30 minutes with my friend who was in better cardio shape than me and he could do 35 minutes. So I just wanted to, you know, keep up with him. It is that simple at the beginning. And that absolutely destroyed my plateau. I got, I bursted through it and... <laughs> Excuse me. What ended up happening was I loved the feeling that I attributed being able to do this cardio, kind of the same way that, you know, it meant to me with the American Eagle jeans. Feeling so tired going on that walk when I was 17 that gave me that asthma attack. Just the fact that I could do this cardio and really enjoy doing it for 30, 45 minutes was really, really cathartic to that part of my life. And what it kind of did was it developed me with this insatiable appetite to try to improve my physical ability because it was just so transformative for me mentally to realize that you can now do something that, you know, again, an able body can normally do at almost a higher intensity now and not have the same asthma attack. You're in better shape. 
And that just kind of stemmed all the way down to one of the most proud goals I've ever done was as someone that's powerlifted a lot in my adult life was deadlifting more weight than the initial weight that I've ever been in my life, which I've deadlifted about 600 pounds. So it, that kind of transformation, I'm only bringing that up right now because it really did all just start with walking into a Planet Fitness and getting on an elliptical. Which it clearly also, it ignited a passion in you, you know, which is, is awesome. And I think that's, I was talking, I was recording with someone else earlier today and we were talking about, you know, he was someone who started at 600 pounds and is now down around 300 pounds, maybe a little bit more. And we talked about like, we were, we were using food to fill something, you know, in our lives. You know, there was a, whether it, you know, in a lot of ways for a lot of us, food was the passion, was the passion point. You know, the thing we got most excited about was food and finding something else that you're passionate about and that you can get excited about, whatever it is, I think is so key to making that transformative change. It's key to being, you know, finding something that is going to give you that same rush, that same feeling that we used to derive from something that was harming us. Absolutely. You can kind of rechannel that motivation and passion you had for the, the sanctimony of food to something that's actually productive in your life. I 100% understand that. That's, that's, that's very much how I feel like I've tried to take this transformation for me. And how along the way as you were getting there, like getting into the gym and doing that, like how was your relationship with food continuing to evolve? So when I initially started a diet, I, I really wanted to just have basic foods that I know I could eat for a sustainable period of time and then kind of let all of it loose with those cheat meals. So my basic foods were rotisserie chickens, potatoes, rice, steak, stuff along those lines. And it became a kind of a homogeny of some form of protein, some form of you know, light carbohydrate and just run it out and see how it works. It's worked up till this day for me. Um, but with that, with that said, whilst, what was your initial question? I'm sorry. No, just in terms of like how your relationship with food evolved through this process. Okay, awesome. That just, that you gave me a thought with the way you worded it. So um, my relationship turned from, you know, allowing myself times to really enjoy that family experience of food or eating pizza with, you know, my, my girlfriend and enjoying life, but also really understanding that for a large part of the pie chart that is the percentiles of my life, I want to sustainably eat the food that brings me in the right direction. And I, the, you know, it might be cliche, but that 80-20 idea is perfect because we do have to live as humans and we have to indulge those. Otherwise, your need to fulfill that need is just going to get larger. But, you know, you get a lot of self-value out of the control of being able to indulge it and then have control over it. Know that you can go right back into your diet. Which is something I think is challenging for people. Like, I, I think the idea of moderate, working on moderation is not something that... Every person, I, I think every person wants to be able to do it immediately. And they don't realize that just like getting stronger in the gym, you need to build strength in your relationship with food. 100%. To, to give you 100% honesty, because you just made such a great point, the way I just worded that is literally now a 15-year-long articulation of a thought I have been thinking about. So I 100% understand what you're saying. It does not happen overnight. And the thing that I think goes along with that 
is accepting where you're at right now. Like, no, you can know where you want to get to. And the hard part is sometimes we get there and sometimes we don't. Like it's, it's, it depends on the work that you're doing and how you respond to it and all of that. Like, but it's, it's great to hear this evolution that was happening for you, you know, is, is powerful, man. And how, at what point in your journey did it go just from you were taking care of yourself and finding this passion for your own fitness and you started to realize this is something I want to do for other people? I actually, that's a great question. And the answer is, I actually ended up getting an amazing personal trainer myself who helped me develop my body the way I was hoping I would develop it, you know, going along the, the, the ropes to myself. And I, I wasn't getting those results. Like I said, I started on the elliptical and I, you know, really a little bit moved into the weight room because I got addicted to challenging myself, but I had no idea what to do. So after a little bit of time where I was spinning my wheels, I walked, to, I walked up to the biggest personal trainer at my gym and I told him my story and I said, I'm looking to grow muscle. I've lost weight. I have some loose skin on my body and I'm looking to grow muscle. And him being able to accomplish that for me changed so many elements of my life and in so many tangible and intangible ways for my confidence, my self-esteem, who I am as a human. It literally put the pieces together that... I would miss out on an incredible feeling if I didn't want to pay this forward. No, I think that makes, that's, that's an awesome feeling, I'm sure. You know, and one I think a lot of people that have been through that experience can relate to. And so what were the steps that you took to be able to do it? You know, how did you go from this is something that I would really like to do to this is something I'm actively doing now? Well, one thing I've always prided myself is I've tried to be a student for life. One of the, I've always had a really good relationship with my high school and college professors because I really cared about what I was trying to learn. I'm such a proud, self-proclaimed nerd. With that said, I, I didn't have any qualms with just like I did with that personal trainer, reaching out to people that, and have and you know telling them my story and being lucky enough to have some really good mentorships along the way. So my initial experience of losing weight really gave people that had some amazing perspectives on not only on how to applicably personal train, but how to, you know, run a personal training business and how to actually provide results for people that I'm very lucky that took, took me under their wing. Uh, the one thing that I can only attribute it to is that when I was young and still to this day, I was really hungry to learn more about this. That fixation of wanting to challenge myself really brought me into, well, if I want to challenge myself more, I need to learn how to do it. So I started out just again with that normal bodybuilding program and it worked wonders for me. I ended up building some really good size and I built some pretty decent strength just because that's what lifting weights does for you. Um, but one thing, being so overweight for so long and not specifically correcting it right away it left my body very, very, very immobile. And the mobility that I did have wasn't exactly healthy mobility. So, <clears throat> excuse me. One of the things that I was lucky enough to learn along the way was when bodybuilding got a little bit boring, I decided to seek out a CrossFit kind of experience because I wanted to make the intensity a little higher and I wanted to just experience it. I ended up having a very good mentorship from someone that owned a CrossFit gym that had a very, very good articulation uh, on how proper strength and conditioning and athletic training worked. And so I guess the best way to word it is my, my 
development as a personal trainer throughout the entirety of my non-collegiate experience was being lucky enough to stand on the shoulders of giants and learn from them. When it comes to college, I have an associate's degree in general education where I actually slanted every class towards health and wellness. And I am working on my bachelor's degree in kinesiology currently, but it's just a slow process because I'm balancing a business and a bunch of other stuff. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a full plate for sure. <laughs> you know, you get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. That's awesome. And so what was it? Because I'm just, you know, obviously I'm someone who has started working with people as, as a coach. Not Obviously, not a, I'm not a physical trainer, but that idea of helping people. Like, what was it like for you that, like, I'm just curious from your perspective, that first time you started working with someone, like knowing what you had been through and now you've got this opportunity to share that with someone else. Like, what was, what was that like? Well, I was very lucky because he was compassionate and an amazing teacher, which also put a lot of value to me in how a trainer needs to be, or even just a coach in any way, needs to be with people. They need to be incredibly impassionate and compassionate at the same time. So uh, I think I'm just very lucky because he gave me just an overall very good experience. My goal today is to have everyone realize that there is some hidden potential inside their body no matter where they are. And it's literally just something that they said they can't do. And because the idea of even just maintaining a workout schedule at one point in my life as a, as a personal trainer today was hard. So. My goal is to have everybody discover how much more capable they are physically than where they are at the moment that they came in. It doesn't matter about some unrealistic lofty goals and anybody can accomplish anything over time, but I want people to just truly develop that sense of, wow, I had no idea that I was capable of this and it's freaking awesome that I can do this because that's truly what resonated the most for me through that development. Yeah. And I, I think I didn't really necessarily even phrase the question right. Like, what was, what was it like working with your first client, like first one-on-one -on -one person? Oh my God, it was uh, a terrifying because, well, I cared so much, and B, um, you know, I guess it's a measurement. It's a credit to me today to say that I probably did terribly by comparative to my standards now. You know what I mean? I think that's a good measurement of personal growth, but. I would say that, you know, from really picking up personal training from around 21 years old to around 32, my, my methodology and my modality about training has undulated and changed so much that I would probably have a lot to critique myself on as a young trainer in my first time. But I'm only really, you know, going to this answer, this knee-jerk answer, because it's a testament to how much more I know today about how to help people. And it's a lot less about the training element. It's actually a lot more towards what I'm sure you do very well when it comes to the overall coaching, helping their mindset, helping, you know, their overall attitudes of life and especially just habits. And what do you think? Cause you know, I could, we could talk and we'll get it. We're going to get into probably what it's like working, you know, kind of actually working with people now, but I'm curious for yourself, what has working with other people taught you 
about Mike? What, what have you learned about yourself through this experience? Oh, my God. It has been one of the greatest chin checks about ego because no matter whether it's me learning about a physical, a physical capability or, sorry, whether it's me learning something physical education-wise about one of my clients or not, I learn something that is a great takeaway from just about everybody I work with today. So many that I have as a feather in my cap that are so applicable that I don't even know if they realize that I've picked up. And I think that's something that I never would have thought when I was younger because the dichotomy was I was, a, I was the educator, they were more a client. And being a little bit older, which I think mellowed me out in many ways, really made me realize that no matter whether I have a specific talent, you know, more so than them in regards of how to apply personal training, there is still an entire human full of amazing capabilities that I can learn from. So I think that I think today I just learn a lot more from my clients. I think that's an awesome perspective because I think when a when a coach or a trainer thinks that they know everything and have every answer about that unique individual they're working with, you know, that's when you're ready, that's when you run into trouble. You know, it's that idea when you think that you know the box you're going to put that person in, you know, it's got it's that you have to have that ability to kind of really sense out what's going on and understand and learn from their experience and their challenges. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you can relate to the, the idea that every person, it also gives you th lessons to help you with the next person you're working with. Like, you know, being able to, being able to learn more about the human condition, because like you said, it's not just about, okay, here's the workout plan you need to follow. Here's the, let's get this, ex this exercise right, which is important. You know, being safe is really important. Technique, all of those things are important. But it's also about, you know, being able to connect with that person, you know, and it's through working with more people that you, you develop that. It's not something where I think every person, whether they're certified in 100 things or certified in one thing, you know, it's that practical experience that brings growth and development and teaches you more about yourself as a trainer. Oh, absolutely. There is such a large trench between theory and practice, especially in regards to personal training. I, like I said, I've been through... I was certified, actually, my first certification was through my college. So I, I, right, right away, I was in the collegiate realm learning how to do this stuff properly. And I'll tell you, just from the, the hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands, genuinely over a decade of clients that I've worked with, there, it, I, my go-tos, the way I think, my fundamentals are just so much different because I've seen so many bodies move in so many ways. And I've had, I'm very lucky, I've worked with a really amazing wide array of clients. And luckily, I found some good results with them. So, you know, um, it's really interesting. You can, you can take a lot. You can learn a lot from people. It's absolutely amazing. So someone out there listening is someone who want, is thinking about getting a trainer. Like, what, what advice do you have that, to that person, like, in terms of, like, how they should, how they can determine, I'm, I'm losing my words now, man. How they can, how can they determine that that trainer is the right person for them? Like, what do you think are the, from the client perspective, what should they be asking a trainer? Like, what do you think are the things to look out for? Great answer. So the definition of, a, of an educator is someone that can take complex topics and break it down simply so that non-complex topics can be absorbed. So ask questions. And if people give you an answer that confuses you, do not be afraid to say you need to elaborate on that or why 
what's the purpose of this? Every exercise, I am ready to answer for my clients, why am I doing this before we start any exercise? Because there should be a why. So genuinely, if you go in confused, and by definition, you're, you're looking for a trainer, which means you might not have the right direction of where to go if left to your own devices right away, it's gonna confuse you further. So you need to be able to find people that can simplify all this complexity into a way where you actually have a buy-in. And that's not a financial buy-in. That is a physical buy-in of you investing your time into that exercise to better yourself. So it should never be any time where you do not know what's going on. Well, I think that's, I think that's really important. And I think if you get answers that you don't feel comfortable with and you ask for elaboration and you don't get it, that's a red flag, you know, not to, not to, not to jump on a TikTok trend or anything, you know, a, a Twitter trend, but that's a red flag, you know, like, okay, if this, if the person just says, because that's what you have to do. You know, there are times where we have to say to someone, you got to just do the work. Like, that's not what it is. But when someone isn't willing to help you understand why you're doing something, then maybe they're not the right person for you. Like, whether it's your ability to understand what they're saying or their ability to communicate it, you know, you, you have to find that, that rapport to be able to achieve your goals. I think, I think a coach needs to be very mindful and conscientious about the language to which he uses because you need to be able to have someone truly follow along with almost the same understanding of it as you over a period of time. There is a lot of complexity to this, but if you explain people the ins and outs of the nuance only to stuff that is important to them, then they're following along. And then at that point, for me at least, it becomes a team working together to make one person's goal accomplished. It's less of the dichotomy of power of me training them. No, I think that's a great, that's, that's a great way to put it. And now you've been training people for over 10 years now. What? I have, I have. So what I'm really curious about is, so you've got 550-pound, 17-year-old Mike, and you've got Mike today you know, 32, where do the challenges lie for you personally still when it comes to your body and food and those things? Like how does, how has that in some ways, you know, obviously it's gotten, for lack of a better term, you know, it's all gotten better, but what do you identify now are the things that still are challenges or things you need to be mindful of? Like, does the question make sense? Absolutely. No, it makes total sense. I, I would say that nothing has been quote unquote for the better, but not in like an emotionally negative way. I would say that some of the things that I had to be very mindful of as a young man, I've still needed to be mindful of today. I, w I would definitely say that if I give myself the ability to, I will gain weight because my default is to go back to what I've spent just about as much time as I've been a trainer doing. So I would say that my, my struggles have not changed to this day from when I've been younger. However, I've adapted and I've changed. So now I have different strategies to get around problems that is just a matter, is a raw matter of data that are there. My propensity to wanna overeat, my propensity to you had said something really good about how eating is the go-to. And if you think about the saying, idle hands, like genuinely, you know, a, a good time killer, especially when I was younger, was just to eat. 
to kill. If I was boredom, there was time to kill. That was it. So, you know, instead of demonizing any of those or saying that I expect these problems to fix themselves, I would just say that I've integrated them as a part of me to adapt to become the best I can be right now. And that would be a constant work in progress. I, you know, I, I try to grow every day. And I would say that I'm never going to be satisfied as my knowledge of a trainer. I'm not going to be satisfied of my knowledge as a business owner because I want to learn more every day. The second I let that ego come in, though that ego is usually attributed to all the bad habits to which I backslide to. It's okay to eat this time. It's okay. You're fine. You know, you can eat this. We'll just go on that tomorrow. That is, the, the, that is just me constantly just keeping that in check, but I've just gotten better at it. Which I think is important for people to hear because I think incorrectly people over time assume in, you know, we're, we're as human beings, we're programmed to think that there's a problem and there's a solution and then the problem doesn't exist anymore. And I, so I, I think it's really good for people to hear because I also, I think it's good for people to hear, but I think it's scary for those of us in the coaching and training realm to talk about the idea that we still have have challenges, that we still have, you know, we're human beings that still are going to be battling these issues for our lifetimes. And it doesn't mean you're a broken, ruined individual. It means, you know, like, like I really like that, you know, kind of like what you were saying, and I say it all the time, it's like our problems and our challenges and those demons don't go away we get better at how we handle them. We develop new strategies. We learn more. We have to be willing to continue to learn. And we have to give ourselves grace Like when you find yourself falling into one of those patterns again. you know, Because like you said, it's such an ingrained natural part of us. I don't think you can ever purge it completely. And I think someone who says that they have 100% never ever have those thoughts ever again you know, I feel like they've probably had a brain transplant of some kind. You know, they were lucky enough to have, you know, they, they were lucky enough to have something physically removed from themselves. I completely agree. And this might be a silly reference, but Eight Mile, have you seen that movie? Okay, so at the very end of the movie, and the crescendo of the movie, he wins that rap battle by literally telling everybody in front of them his flaws. There is a power to having a self-awareness to where we are weak, and it resonates into people who are equally aware of where they're weak, that it is a relatable experience now. And I would say that when I was a lot younger, I absolutely would be a little bit more hesitant about talking about some of my flaws to this day. But as an adult, I kind of wear them as a human badge, so to speak. And I think, you know, secondly, you can, one more thought is, the saying goes for business, but I, I'm, I've been really big on adopting this for life for a while. And um, it's um, built, life is jumping off a cliff and building a parachute on the way down. And with that said is, I think people that are in any form of business of helping others needs to be acutely aware of that because we are always going to be adapting and evolving around our stuff. Us doing that gives us more strength and credibility and self-belief to go in and help others. So I think it should be more of a celebrated thing as opposed to something that we're worried about from a social stigma. And it's and, and to keep it in the business realm, it's like when someone starts a business and they want to provide their service to everyone, even if they're getting stretched too thin, even if they're, you know, if the problem, if the project is too big for them. You don't ever want to say no to a, you know, to a, to an opportunity, you know, especially a financial opportunity. You don't want to say no, 
But I think when you become more seasoned as a business person and more seasoned as someone, especially in the health and fitness space, there are times where you have to be able to say, I don't think I'm the right fit for this right now, for whatever the reason is, whether it's because of something personally going on, whether it's because you're stretched too thin already, you know, it's that idea. I think especially when people get into coaching, they're like, I'm going to take on 150 people. And it's like, well, if you haven't built the services and the, you know, the structure you need to handle 150 people at once, you're going to, you're not going to, you're not going to help any of those people. You know, you're, you know, and it's that idea of sometimes we have to learn to say no and it's, it's about, that's what all this, this journey can be about in general. You know, it's about sometimes we learn to say, we have to learn the proper times to say no to ourselves and the proper times to say yes. And we don't always have those answers immediately. It comes through that experience. It comes through learning. It comes through growing and being willing to continue to do that as we go through it. A hundred percent. I always just think to myself, I'm, I'm going to try to benefit someone in the same way that I have felt benefited from what a personal trainer means. I want to be my best. And if there is a part of me that is degraded, whether it's energy or whether it, it might just be not a fit socially, and you know, that happens very frequently. But every once in a while, there has been a time where it just, I know someone will find the help they need looking somewhere else. And I completely understand that. Oh, and you know, for me, I, I specifically am working with people around weight loss and around specific nutrition and things along those lines. And I've had times where I've been talking to someone and I've said, I don't think I'm the right coach for you, or I think you need services that I can't provide, you know, in terms of what that person might be dealing with, whether they need to approach it from a different angle or a different, a different point of view, you know, all of that. It's about being willing to say, you know, am I the right, am I the right service here? Like knowing your value, know your value does also means knowing your limitations and knowing, you know, knowing where your challenges are. So I, I think it's that level of awareness, you know, is good to hear. And I think it's something that people should understand comes from the fact that we're all still human. You know, we are still, you know, you're not hiring a robot to help you. You're hiring someone who faces challenges of their own every day. Well, the way I always try to look at it, and if this conversation has ever been relevant, and, and you know, I always try to limit any kind of emotional conversation with my clients to what's relevant. But I would say we are all people on that exact same highway that is this journey. It just might be in a different lane. We might be in a different car order, but we're literally all on the same stretch of road. And so, you know, it, it is good to very much be honest about your self-development. And I think that, it, you know, people that remain studious their whole life tend to be people that are listened to with a great deal of respect. No, I 100% agree with that, man. And, and speaking of self-development and, and the journey... What are the things that you're excited about right now? Like, what are the things that you have going on that you're most excited about? So right now, I am currently trying to figure out some kind of YouTube content that actually helps people, that gives people takeaways, and actually is fun to watch. That's, that's been the current thing on my docket. When it comes to my own training, I've been back on a kick of mastering my body weight. So one of the things that really... Um, emotionally impacted me was being able to like do my first pull up or being able to even do my first push up and, and in a sense as silly as it sounds even my first body weight squat at some point so I've always found a great passion of trying to figure out what my you know now 270 pound body it, that it being still rather heavy in the spectrum of just weight what I'm capable of so right now I've been really really diving deep into gymnastic movements and stuff like that and it's been keeping me busy yeah man Oh, that sounds like some good stuff. And I, I think video content is the is is something that people are looking for. 
you know, and but actually content that actually provides, you know, resources that they can use, I think, is is another thing, because we, we know there's 100 million TikTokers out there doing the same dances. But well, that's that's the problem. You have 100 million people with the 100 with the same message. You know, and sometimes the same message, even worded from a different perspective or from a different angle or someone taking and cherry picking, you know, parts of different messages and taking the works, it's A, refreshing, and it's B, something not commonly provided. And that's definitely something that I'm the most interested in. I've also been thinking and mulling in my head about potentially a podcast. I really, really enjoy talking, getting to learn who people are and their stories. Like, I'm not kidding. I was so captivated reading your story. It was amazing because I know what I've been through, man. And, you know, being able to connect with you and say that, and I know you know what that means in a way. Like, that stuff always has meant so much to me. So I think really the, the, the thing that I'm currently focusing on the most is trying to just get my story out there and actually trying to lend my help to as many human beings as possible just because I know how transformative it can be and really how helpful it can be. Agreed, man. Agreed that it's... It, that I think there's a power in the genuineness of experience and there's a power... I think there's... Because there, let's, let's be realistic. If a client comes to you and is like, well, I can't do this, I can't do that... You know, you're a living example of saying, well, you can do anything you put your mind to. Look at the things that I've put my, you know, look at the things that I've come through. You know, it my doesn't, answer, it, you know, go ahead. My answer is you can't now. Right. Because I just know what it's like to literally not be able to walk upstairs without huffing and puffing for 45 minutes in a class. And I know what just a little bit of dedication and being excited about what I'm doing has, has changed. So my answer just always has been you can't do it now. And I think the awesome thing that, that I'm sure you'll agree with is having been through what you've been through and seeing that person who doesn't have that belief in themselves yet and helping them build that belief and then actually start accomplishing things just feels incredible because you, amazing. you can see the potential in people. You know, you know, you know, when you're able to see it in yourself, you can finally start to see it in other people. And I think that's one of the greatest things is being able to say to someone, okay, like you said, you can't do this right now, but let's see what you can do and let's start working on that and let's let's work on getting better and like you said you went from just barely able to be able to do a little walk to where you're at today so there's there's no saying that there's that things are impossible it's just you have to do the work to get there no and you know the moment that people accomplish something that truly blows their mind that they can do is truly the most beautiful experience that i can ever feel blessed to experience because I just know what that means. You literally open so many new doors in your life. I've always been a big proponent of life improves on so many intangible layers just by increasing your general health. Screw, don't worry about the idea of fitness or any stigmatized idea of how you need to look. Increasing how your body works as a more efficient machine lets you just unlock so much new potential in yourself. So Mike... Looking at this journey that you've been on, and you, you've shared a lot of great bits of wisdom with the audience already today, like, are there, are there lessons that you've learned on this journey that you haven't had a chance to share yet through what we've been talking about? Like, I'm just wondering, what are the things that, there's anything that stands out to you that you've learned that you feel would be good for people to hear? The biggest piece of advice I can give anyone on any fitness journey, this is applicable literally to any fitness goal. Play the long game. Take your time and play the long game. There is, there is a magic to time. 
Let me know if this sounds silly. There's genuinely a magic to time. No matter what people do, it passes. And it is, this, this is that true tangible blink of an eye. It passes so fast. So if you just keep focusing on making the productive choice and letting the magic of time just pass, you will find that, that like I said before, that compounding has put you into such an amazing position. And that is how goals are met. Goals never happen overnight. So if the one thing that I can truly say has been the most effective for my life, it's just play the long game for fitness. No, I, th I think that's an awesome point. Like time is going to pass anyway, you know, and so you can sit around and think about what you might want to do or what your, what your goals might be, but that time's going to pass anyway. You know, 50, 15 years could have passed for you and you could still be over 500 pounds. Like if, if you hadn't taken those first steps, you know, I, I know that, you know, myself, like whether you do something or don't do something, it's not like you can put things on pause. You can't say, let me, let me take a five-year break and put things on hold and then figure this out. It's like, no, there's, it's going to pass anyway. So why not, why not take that risk to actually see what you can accomplish through time? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, more often than not, there are times where I'll just randomly be cleaning up lunch or doing dishes where I will transform where I have been in my life and then just kind of come back to where I am now. And it's still almost surreal. And it literally is just through letting the magic of time pass and just trying your best to play a long game with good decisions. I like it, man. I like it. So, Mike, if... I appreciate everything that you've been able to share with us today. Like if people listening do want to connect with you and see what it is you have to offer, but also just be able to follow along with this continuing journey of yours, how do they find you? Absolutely. My main hub currently is Instagram and it's at Mike.couplesfit. And from there, there's a link tree to all my other resources. But right now I'm putting my message out predominantly on Instagram. And as said before, there will be either a podcast or some YouTube content coming that just lets me continue talking this exact same way we are today. I want to break things down simply and just try to help people. And if you're, if you're on that link tree, you know, if people want to connect with you, if they haven't seen it yet, you were also, you were recently on, on Mark Bell's Power Project. So I know there's a, I good, was. a good dive there into what you've, what you've been through. And especially with those, with those guys, I'm, you know, that's a great discussion for people to check out as well. It was absolutely amazing. I absolutely hope you guys would give that a listen to and give it, a, it was as fun as this one. Oh, awesome, man. So I mean Mike, that. I, I really want to say a big thank you. I end every, every podcast with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your Ooh. run through those questions? I am so ready. Let's party. Okay, so question number one. Mike, living or dead, tell us who is your favorite fat guy? Chris Farley. There we go. He is, he is probably one of the most given answers. <laughs> oh, God. I can't. No, we have to go back now. Hang on. Hang on. No, hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hang on. Let me... Then, uh, honestly, so I, I, I am a fan of the entire genre. I might have to say John Candy then. There, that's number two. So you're, you're, oh, you're, my you're, God. You hit the big ones. You're I, killing me. I'm here. actually, I've been, I've been talking, I was talking with a friend the other day, and I'm like, I'm going to have to start when I ask that question, say, and your answers cannot be John Candy or Chris Farley. And Much just watch appreciated. People, watch, and then watch people panic and be like, yeah. are there any other fat guys? Were there ever any other fat guys? You know, it will force the brain. There, there absolutely the brain. have been, too. So, okay. All right, next there's, one. There's a ton of them out there. People can go find them themselves. That's their, that's their homework for the day. Go find another fat guy. Uh, question number two, man. Tell us, what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? 
I would say that you are measured a lot more on the impact of positivity of others than you are how you feel about your weight. And I would just say that you would be so surprised at how many people forget about your weight if you leave a positive impact on people. I like it, man. Question number three. This is a good one for you, I think. Tell us, if there's someone out there listening who wants to get their health and fitness journey started today, what is one thing they can do right now? Get up and take a walk down your driveway. Get it out of the way. And realize that that is actually a really good workout. And now just repeat it every day. And then in a few weeks, research on how to progressively slow yourself in exercise. And realize that it is that slow and you can play that game just fine. And you'll end up being very healthy off that alone if you just do that. I like it. Question walk down your driveway. There you go. Question number four, Mike. What is one thing about yourself that you love? Hmm. I would say I love my pursuit of knowledge and trying to self-improve. I uh, and that is by no means me saying that I am good at many things or smart. I really appreciate the fact that I find the time or at least find the interest to try to learn as many things as I can because it just keeps my brain calm. And so I have found as a byproduct that has given me benefits in life. There we go. And your last question today, Mike, number five, tell us what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? So as silly as it sounds, during the lockdown, I killed a lot of time at mixing music. And I really, really enjoyed mixing music. And I would say that one goal would be to pursue that as a hobby mm -hmm. because of how good it made me feel. I like it. Yeah. Because the pursuit of knowledge is it's systemic to everything else in your life. I've been a big believer in this forever. And so just by trying to just get good at random things, it, it builds confidence at the other stuff that mean more to you to try to get good at those. And so I would say that that is not directly related, but that progression would go hand in hand in, in the direction I'd like to take my life where it's just improvement oriented. I like it, man. That sounds great. So Mike, thank you. Thank you again so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I, I'm sure everyone listening is, is going to get something out of, out of this journey that you shared with us. So just a big thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love this show. Seriously. You, it's an amazing message. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And everyone out there, like I said, I'm going to have Mike's Instagram there for you in the show notes. If you want to connect with him, make sure you check out what he's doing. And then if you want to find me, you can always find me on Instagram as well at Gourmet Goes Keto. On Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. And you can check out everything that I'm doing with coaching at theketoroad.com. My friends, don't forget, go out there, do something to amaze yourselves today because you are the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us on the next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.